Welcome to High Gluttony. I'm Gretchen. And I'm Becca. And we're two ladies on an adventure. Listen along every 10 days or so as we cook a dish we like. Quest about cannabis education. Or chat with someone we respect. You can find more information about this episode at highgluttony.com. Thanks for joining us, gluttoneers. Off we go. Let's get to it. So you're sipping on some chai tea. I'm sipping on some white wine because I'm going to be using it later. Seen you in a little while. How are you? What is going on? What's happening at the High Gluttony headquarters right now? Saffron. 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 Naturally. (laughs) Started trying to grow saffron a few years ago. The first time I came across some bulbs and we planted them in the ground and they have never done really well. So last year we dug them all up and transplanted them into pots. And I didn't think as much of the bulbs were going to make it as they did. So then this year when I saw saffron bulbs again, I bought more. (laughs) And then I started like going through different pots and repotting things. And I kept finding more and more saffron bulbs (laughs) and I would plant them back where I found them. So now I have hundreds, at least a hundred little tiny saffron plants that are coming up. I'm so (laughs) excited about it. So I might actually have a decent saffron harvest at some point. It might not just be like a total hobby. I'm excited. I love crocuses. So anytime I get to grow a crocus and it's going to give me saffron, pretty happy about it. Will you make paella? Maybe someday if I ever have enough. (laughs) They got to actually flower first. This is the main issue is they don't seem to like to flower terribly well here, but Mm. I don't know if it's just I haven't treated them right yet or what the deal really is, but Fingers crossed this year that there will be a few more flowers. So one step at a time. Yeah. <laughs> what What's going on on your end of the world? Well, speaking of things sort of coming to fruition, we're getting a puppy and I'm getting really excited and really nervous. I've been doing some research about what toys to get and like everything, which I know none of it's going to make that much of a difference at the end of the day, but I'm like nervous, but I'm also really excited. <laughs> oh no. I bought you toys for the dog. You did? Okay. I haven't bought anything yet. Oh, good. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm sending you at least a few things that oh, I thought okay. you needed in your Christmas package. Hopefully I can get it out in the next couple of weeks, but and then it'll be there in time for, for him to come home. But okay. Oh my gosh. That's so exciting. Okay. I won't get any toys. When I get nervous about something, I just research the shit out of it. I've just <laughs> been like, how do you train a puppy? How many different articles can I read about how to train a puppy? I'm sure there are a lot. And that <laughs> is definitely research I can get behind. And this comes from a place of owning rabbits. So doing a lot of research about rabbits and how they communicate and what they like and what you know, what things you need for them. So I'm all about doing the pet research beforehand. It's so much better if you can treat them the way they need to be treated. I know this is like high hopes of me, but my one rule is like, this dog has to be well-trained, like whatever that looks like, like (laughs) this has got to be a thing. And I know plenty of people who try and try and try to train their dogs and their dogs just won't be trained. And so it will be whatever it will be. I'm going to do my best. In my anxiety, I'm like, ah, read all the things, learn all the stages. What do they need? At least you will have some idea. Now, whether or not that can all be 
fulfilled and go according to plan. That's an entirely different scenario. (laughs) Exactly. In the meantime, I'm calming my nerves with some with some more of that um, conjugal visit vape pen that I really enjoy. And that, well, the, the name is who? Why? Conjugal visit, really? Of all the names. I'm glad you're enjoying it in spite of <laughs> the unfortunate slash weird name. I'm over here smoking something entirely new. I've got this old pal brand flower, Forbidden Fruit. And this is an indica. It has 19.33% THC and just a little bit of CBD. <laughs> just enough to register on the label. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but barely that. Barely that at all. What was it called? Forbidden fruit. Let's see how it goes. It is one thing for to say for vape pens is they're ready to roll. You don't have to pack or unpack or... I know. I've been using them more than I'd want to because I miss flour, but it's just so convenient and there's no mess and oh, it's so easy. We've got our drinks. We've got our smokes because, I mean, we need to be relaxed today because we're doing something that is easy, but involves frying. Yes. It involves frying. (laughs) And there lies the challenge. (laughs) These are advertised as the easiest fries. I agree. They're very easy. There's no random weird steps of like boiling them or par cooking them, then recooking them. It's cut them up, put them in the pot with the oil, heat them up and go. Beautiful. It is. It's a beautiful thing. And it makes a really nice, what I would call a frite style fry. So they're a little bit thinner, crunchier, and definitely go well with mussels, which you are partaking of today, Becca. Because this episode's coming out around the new year, we thought it'd be fun to do something a little bit festive. And Gretchen had made these frites before, but I never have or I'm going to pair them with making mussels, which I've also never, ever done and may never do again, but we'll see. And Gretchen's going to pair her frites with a steak and she'll use that sort of cold pan searing method that we discovered way back in our searing comparison episode. Yeah, I got some nice, big, juicy ribeyes. So I'm pretty Mm. excited about dinner this evening. So we've got three things going. The fries is we're going to make together. And then Gretchen's going to talk me through the mussels. I'll make the mussels and she'll make the steak on her own. So what are the world levels of those three things, starting with the fries, the frites? I say world level two, just because the process is so simple for these versus other fried products. And the steak is, I think we ended up on a two with the steak for that searing. Especially this method, because it's super easy to clean up. Because there's no splatter. Since we did it, uh, I did it on a less fatty steak last time. I'll be interested to see how it goes with the ribeye, since that's considerably more fatty. And then you were saying that you thought your muscles might be a two to three. I was very firmly on a, this is a two, but you said two to three. The only reason I'm pushing for a three is because The muscles, I, so when I was reading the instructions on the muscles, it pretty clearly said, you have to rinse them really well. You have to clean them, like you have to clean the outside really well. And you have to remove something called the beard. So I was thinking like not 
huge amount of work, but the muscles I got had a shitload of barnacles all over the outside. And they had a bunch of like dirt kind of caked into the barnacles. And so I had to literally take a fork and scrape the outside, both sides of almost all two pounds of my muscles. And it took me over two hours. And it was kind of hard because they're little. And so Assuming you get muscles that are a lot cleaner on the outside, I definitely think this could be a two. But if you get muscles like I got, at least three. In- annoyance alone, but yeah. <laughs> annoyance factor. The annoyance mm-hmm. factor. We have to. Mm-hmm. We, maybe we should make that a secondary like judgment. <laughs> totally. On dishes, is there an annoyance factor on this dish? Is there something that might annoy you about this dish? Potentially catastrophic annoyance level. Yeah. <laughs> is it mild annoyance or I want to rip my hair out level annoyance? <laughs> and then, as Gretchen said, this Fritz recipe is the easiest French fry recipe, and it's coming from Smitten Kitchen. Well, the America's Test Kitchen via Smitten Kitchen because America's Test Kitchen developed the method and then she tried it out and then my friend just stumbled upon it and recommended it to me and that's how I found it eventually. Okay, the America's Test Kitchen method, but our recipe's coming from Smitten Kitchen today. Because there's no paywall. <laughs> Perfect. Okay. <laughs> and then the mussels, it's the, our, the recipe I'm using is from something called inspiredtaste.net. It looked pretty straightforward and I enjoyed the recipe. And then are you kind of, I mean, do you have a steak recipe or, I mean, you're kind of using. The... I'm just using that method. So yeah, I, I mean, I'm using the America's Test Kitchen or Cook's Illustrated recipe. I forget which it comes from. I, here, hold on. I think second. it was Cook's Illustrated. One or the other. They're all related. <laughs> so that's my recipe is a methodology more than a recipe. Should we share what our ingredients are looking like today? And then you can talk us through the steps again. You So let's get into the, the ingredient lists for our project here. Okay, we'll start with the frit. We're going to use two and a half pounds of Yukon gold potatoes. This is about six medium potatoes and six cups of peanut oil or neutral oil. I am using peanut. Gretchen's using canola today. And then some fine sea or table salt. Oh, I am going to add some duck fat because I have some on hand. So she suggested that it would extra tasteify the the fries. So I figure because I don't have the peanut oil, I can at least add some duck fat in there and make my life a little bit better. Taste of fry. Taste of the fries. Taste of Taste of fry. Okay. Okay. For the mussels, two pounds of mussels cleaned. One tablespoon of butter, two small shallots thinly sliced, two garlic cloves finely chopped. I'm going to mince mine, not chopping them. You mean press it. Yes. Shit. I can't. I know you love saying it out, but it's pressed. Yep. There's a difference. I know. And I just, my brain doesn't want it to be different. (laughs) (laughs) One cup of low sodium chicken stock. I'm using vegetable stock. One half cup of dry white wine. I'm using Albarino today. There's a Mm. bottle for me, the bottle for the muscles. Just kidding. It's just one bottle. A splash of heavy cream. And then this as a quarter cup of roughly chopped fresh parsley. I'll be using cilantro because parsley isn't allowed in this house. And then (laughs) salted pepper and lemon wedges. 
And for my steak, I will have steak, salt, and pepper. So there you go. That's my ingredient list for the steak. <laughs> You're welcome. <All> right. <laughs> Super quick. And you mentioned the steps for the fries, but can you talk us through them again real quick? So the full methodology is you do cut them up. You add them into your cold oil. So this is something unusual. You don't have to heat your oil. You don't have to spend time worrying about the temperature of your oil. This is all just going by visual. So we are starting our fries in cold oil and then turning that on, letting it come to a boil. Then I th believe we turn it down slightly and just let it coast until they are crispy golden brown like we like. Easy peasy, probably no lemon on this though. No lemon squeaky. <laughs> Ketchup squeaky. So that is pretty straightforward. And these aren't peeled. No. Right? You can, but we're lazy and we're not doing that. And we both used a mandolin to cut them. Yes. Lazy or efficient, to pick your adjective. Right. <laughs> right. Because at this point, we have both already cut our potatoes up. They had been soaking in, or not soaking on purpose, but they'd been sitting in some cold water for a little while while we did other things. And now they're out drying out on some towels. Really, the only special piece of equipment that we need today is a heavy pan. And you're going to use a saute pan for your muscles. You could use <laughs> a nonstick, no problem. I will be using a nonstick for my steak, but I'm using a cast iron, or I'm using a Dutch oven for my fries. Same. And I think the only consideration in particular with the muscles is it has to have a lid because we are, I am steaming those. So right. Yeah. So not, not too much in the way of special equipment required. It's All right. So before we get up and get going with the next step of our fries, we thought it might be interesting to talk a little bit about what a muscle is because I didn't know at all. And Gretchen said the other day that when you eat a raw oyster, it's alive. And it kind of like nothing has been the same for me since then. It's like, <laughs> there's like the time before I knew that and the time after <laughs> I know well, you really can't go back to not knowing that. So that's fair. Nope. Luckily, I haven't had an oyster in a long time, but it did kind of plant a seed. She said, you know, must like vegans eat muscles sometimes or oysters sometimes because they don't have a brain. And that was also news to me, but reassuring as well. We decided to look into it a little bit and Gretchen's come up with a new name for the quick Googles, which is Quoogles. <laughs> and I think it's the best thing in the whole world. I'm glad you approve. I was like, is, is this too much? And I was like, I love saying Quoogle. <laughs> yeah, Quoogles. So Quoogles. we're on to our Quoogles about mussels. So mussels, clams, oysters, scallops, those are all bivalve mollusks. And this means that they have an external covering that is two-part and has a hinge. And then inside that shell, there's a little soft-bodied thing with no spine, with no vertebrae. Yeah. Okay. So they have gills though, kind of like fish. These little guys are called filter feeders and they gather up food through their gills and some of something called a beard or a foot which is these little like fibrous things that come out of the shell in one point and kind of collect stuff. That also helps the mollusk move around. That's something you have to pull out when you're preparing them. Mm -hmm. Yep. Got to get rid of those beards. And it's fine, but it's weird. Bivalves also make their own shells. They have this internal organ called the mantle 
that secretes calcium carbonate. And so as they grow, the outer shell grows and gets bigger. It's cool. They like build their own home as they go. Indeed, they do. So these are important for filtering ecosystems, marine ecosystems. And there are about 9,200 species of mollusks in the entire world. And they live everywhere from like the tropics to subarctic temperatures. And some are even found in the hydrothermal vents of the Pacific Ocean, 13,000 feet below. That is nuts to me. Anything that can live like that far down in the ocean is pretty impressive. I mean, have you looked at, have you ever watched anything about like the, the ecosystems around those subthermal, like those bottom the vents around the bottom of the ocean? Mm-mm. It's fascinating. Like, really? I think there might be an episode of like planet Earth or something about them. The shit that lives there is so cool because it's just evolved to live in this certain weird condition. And it's very extreme, but, you know, it's like two extremes. So you have to balance those two extremes. And oh yeah, it's wild. The economic value of the muscle of the mollusk world is is about one billion dollars annually in the U.S. The harvested weight of all of those is about 153 million pounds. That's crazy. I know it's a lot. But also, like, that's all of them, not just mu- muscles. I thought oh, right. you were just talking about muscles. I was like, that's nuts. How are we pulling that many muscles out of the ocean and not fucking everything up? So the most common muscle you see on, like, a menu is called an, a PEI muscle. And that's from Prince Edward Island. And that's the area. You've been there? Mm-hmm. Is it pretty? It's really beautiful. It's just, It's so cute. It's this, like, little island. It's its own little thing. They are well known for their, their seafood. Unfortunately, I went there and I was like 11 mm. and I was even less of a fan of seafood. I did try lobster, but no, I didn't like it. Not so much. So a little bit wasted on you there, but mm-hmm. yeah. that area is the largest producer of this particular type of muscle called mytilus edilis. And it's known for that kind of like blue shell color that you see. Sometimes the, it says the meat can be cream colored or pinkish, depending on the gender, which super confused me. But I am not going to investigate the muscle, the gender of muscles more than reading that sentence. That's what yeah. I know about muscles now. Most of the time when I've seen them, I guess that's probably when they're raw because I was like, I thought they were all pretty much the same color when they're cooked and they're all kind of a creamy color once they're cooked. I never noticed that before. Me neither, but I'll definitely be steaming mine. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> it's another set it and forget it kind of thing though for you. It's it's a pretty easy process. You're going to start by melting your butter and then you're going to saute your aromatics in there, your shallot and your garlic. Then you're going to add your mussels and your broth and steam them until they all pop open. (laughs) And then you'll finish with your white wine and your heavy cream, or wait, you probably put the white wine in with the mussels, don't you? Okay. Mm -hmm. So you're just finishing with the heavy cream and chopped herbs as you like. Right. Once they're clean, it's only a real easy three-step process. So it definitely could be a two, the Mm -hmm. way Gretchen's hard and fast instincts went to. We wish you clean mussels. 
Oh, yes, they better be clean. My gosh. Because <laughs> I mean, I love the mussels, but my favorite part is dipping a roll or free into that broth. That, that's got to be clean for me. <laughs> that's really what you want is a uh, clean broth. And then after the potatoes cook, do we dry them? Like, do we let them drain a little bit or do you put them right onto your plate? Is there anything else that we need to know after that? Because I feel like it's going to go fast once we get up there and get them going. We should prep a sheet pan with paper towels. Although she does also say you can use paper bags, but I'm a bit dubious of that because I'm like bacteria, dirt, whatever. Seems like a dirty thing to me. I don't know if I could handle that, but maybe if they were clean... Still not sure I'm sold on the putting it on paper bags thing. Maybe Mm -mm. maybe you could put paper bags and then your paper towels down because then at least you'd have your paper towels to like be a barrier, but the bag could soak up more of the oil because sometimes paper towel doesn't do the trick. And then uh, make sure you're salting them as they're coming out of the oil because that's the only way you're going to get the salt to stick on them. Okay. All right. So we are here to execute fries. I am turning on my pots all right so talk us through this part because it is simple but you can't really like touch them or stir them very much at this point we've added all of our cut fries to our Dutch oven Mm -hmm. and filled that up with the oil yep and I'm adding duck fat because I have some because it's Gretchen because it's me there's the duck fat duck fat Duck fat, duck fat. So I've got cold oil and my fries all sitting in the pot and the pot is now turned on. So we are bringing everything up over medium high heat right now, but let's see what heat we really should have. Turn the burner to high, bring oil to a boil. Oil to a boil, about five minutes. Cook potatoes for another 15 minutes. Do not stir, they'll just break. At this 20 minute mark, you can use tongs or a thin spatula to Gently scrape loose any potatoes that have stuck to the pan. Continue to cook, stirring only if absolutely necessary for five to 10 minutes longer or until as crisp and golden as you like them. Use a large slotted spoon or spider to scoop the potatoes from the oil and spread them on the prepared tray, tossing them immediately with salt as you do. You can keep them warm in a 200 degree oven, but the texture is really best straight from the fryer. So in 30-ish minutes, I will have fries. And you can only stir it twice, maybe, in the <laughs> 30 minutes. <laughs> it's been about 10 minutes now. We've both got our frites going. They've been kind of like frying a little bit in our oil. I have a full 20 minutes to go. All right, let's okay. a, hit the my count up timer so I can pay attention to my timing. And... I'm probably going to start my steaks here in a moment, just because there are some very nice thick steaks I picked up at the farmer's market this morning. So I have a feeling that because they are quite thick, they'll take a little, a little bit to cook. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to wait a bit for my mussels because they'll only take about 10 minutes. So I'm going to wait. So you had some fun fries around the world, frites around the world, trivia things or fun facts, right? Idea, yes. I had looked up what different fries are around the world. And my my two favorites were the slap chips, often pronounced sloot chips from South Africa. They're like a fry that you fry until crispy, but then cover deliberately so that they get a little soft and you put mm. plenty of vinegar on them. So- they sound really delicious. I'm like, mm, vinegar. Yes. Vinegar. I want that. Yeah. 
And then you have the Dutch fries at war, I believe is how they put it. I can't even pronounce the actual name. (laughs) Don't even ask me to, because it is very, very Dutch. And I have zero frame of reference for Dutch pronunciation. (laughs) Chips at war. Yes, chips at war. So it's fried. So they put fries, mayo, raw onions, peanut sauce, other types of sauces. Like they put all sorts of condiments. It's just like super deluxe overloaded fries with sauces you would never expect on them. And, you know, then you have your traditional Belgium frites, which they serve with mayonnaise, which of course so many people find unappealing, but I find delightful. (laughs) This is a divergent path for us here. And then you have poutine in Canada where they put gravy on it. Love poutine. Love. They used to serve them at a place near the Culinary Institute of America. They called them disco fries. They were so (laughs) good. It's really, it's potato with gravy. How can you go wrong? Now I haven't really ventured into the like strict poutine where they actually put the cheese with it. I haven't quite gone there yet, but I am a fan of cheese curds. So I feel like I'd be a fan. It seems like it. Let me ask you this. Do you do ketchup with your fries most often? Yes, most often, yes. Mm-hmm. I do like ranch and mm-hmm. I like vinegar, chips and vinegar. Occasionally I'll do mayo, but for the most part, I'm a ketchup person. Here's one that lost me though. South Korea apparently has gone full hog on like honey butter. Apparently when that became popular and like started spreading throughout world cuisine, they really loved it in South Korea. And so now they've done like honey butter fries. So it's like a sweet and salty fry thing. And I was like, nope, you lose, you lost me. <laughs> Questions out. I am out. Okay, I am putting Mm. my steaks in the pan. Okay. Turning my pan on. So I'm at five minutes, but there is some, it's going. It's just not as fast. I guess my only concern is like anything sticking to the bottom, ruining the pan or anything. Is there any potential of that? Pretty slim because they, the way that the oil comes through, it should, as the fries start to cook, the reason you're not scraping is because you might leave those, but the longer they're in the oil and the oil cooks the entire fry, the more it'll come off the bottom. I can't really explain how that works, but okay. <laughs> the, the whole structural integrity of the fry becomes more set the longer mm. it cooks. And then it can lift itself off easier. Right. Then it'll all hang together when you're like scraping a little bit versus if you scrape now, you'll leave things and those will burn on the bottom. So you really want to make sure that you just let them sit, let that bottom bit get crispy, crunchy, whatever on the bottom. And then once the things are starting to look crispy, you can kind of move them around a little bit and they should come off the bottom of the pan, especially if you're doing a Dutch oven with an enamel, like a nonstick enamel. Once it gets to a certain heat, that'll kind of naturally release. Oh yeah, it's going. My steaks are coming along nicely. Nice. And so then just line a sheet pan again with paper towels. Yep. So I am trying the paper bag with paper towel on top. Okay. Trying that out to see because yeah, I'm too weirded out by the paper bag to just put it on a paper bag. Little barrier. (laughs) Yeah, barriers. Barriers are good. (laughs) Well, I guess we'll just check each other in the future then yeah see how this all shakes out our frites foray frites foray and my first muscles attempt i have faith in you muscles are easy yeah i think so they cook quickly so 
you don't have to worry about like food poisoning and that sort of thing is often like as much and they they like they tell you when they're done they pop open they're like hello I'm done Hi, I'm dead you can <laughs> eat me now <laughs> crucial that dead part <laughs> that dead part very helpful all right gluttoners we'll see you soon or we'll talk to you soon Bye. welcome to the future we're really in the future <laughs> it's 2022 now <laughs> it was not when we recorded this but it is now you are hearing this in the future so we were racking our brains to remember how our frites and proteins turned out gretchen how were your fries and steak how did it go for you fries were awesome we ate every last one of them with zeal the steaks were great yeah i love that method i was really annoyed because i went i did a seared pork steak on christmas eve and i should have used that method because it would have done really well with this piece of pork and i didn't even think about it and i could have kicked myself i i really got to stick with this method because it does always so good and then this fry recipe always works for me you know it's great i mean little a little bit of a like uh i want these fries to be done but you know it always works pretty well yeah a little bit of a waiting game but worth it in the end what were what was your impressions of your muscles and your fries well the fries i did really enjoy they were crispy it was easy I think getting rid of the peanut oil took me like two weeks and I kept being like, I need my pan back with them. I'd be like, oh yeah, it's full of peanut oil. So I'll, have, I'll find another pan. That was the hardest part of the cleanup, but it did take a while to like cook all the way through and get really crispy. And I felt like my pan was really overcrowded at the end of the day. And mm. you and I were saying, probably we don't have to make a serving for 12 or however many for two people even though James thinks he needs that many potatoes, like probably next time it's better for the fry and for everyone's cholesterol if we just like maybe do half of the potatoes. So I want to try that, but that was good. That was really good. So I'll definitely try that again. I, I mean, I've never even made French fries at home like that. So now I have a totally really easy method and yes if you work in smaller batches you will be able to make this go a bit faster it's a it's all about that volume and weight that you're dealing with I can see where you're like great this is a great method but maybe a quarter of this amount (laughs) yeah a bit more efficient (laughs) I think so and easier to clean up or mentally less of a barrier to get rid of six cups of oil Oh yeah. No kidding. And same issue sat on my sofa for at least a week. So (laughs) not winning any cleaning awards over here. Right. Oh gosh. And then for the muscles, I don't know what happened. I was, I was complaining about it from the beginning with cleaning them. So I don't know if it was just my mental state, but everything was kind of off from beginning to end for the muscles. James and I didn't really end up eating them. They had kind of a funky texture and I even was so turned off that I couldn't have like lemon or cilantro for the next couple of days because I was associating it with the muscles for, and I don't know what happened. They all opened, they all looked good, but maybe I just like 
fucked myself mentally with like doing the research and having that conversation with you about mollusks in general and I don't know I haven't had any secrets since so <laughs> it's been like a real journey am I done with all like all like animal proteins I don't know I don't know <laughs> when when we get together again well I'll uh we can try we can do like seafood trials and see okay you know, okay <laughs> yeah if it's just you check. having to cook it or if it is just you're done you're done with uh-huh. it. <laughs> oh I know so it's been wild since we last recorded <laughs> this <laughs> it's been ages we both can't remember what's happening <laughs> yeah our brains have shut down we didn't record for a while and we just couldn't so <laughs> thanks for w- bearing with us and we're like excited to welcome the new year there's a yeah. lot of exciting things we're doing and we're looking forward to sharing with our gluttoneers it's gonna be amazing so thank you for taking this journey with us thank every every listener because we are growing it's so exciting so exciting. Uh, special shout out to Susan's mom, who I heard is a big fan. So we say hi to Susan's mom. <laughs> Hello. Thank you for listening. Oh my gosh. That's so, that made my heart swell a little bit. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I, did, I surprised you with it because uh, yeah. I wanted to tell you, but I was coming to tell her on air. Whew. Happy New Year to us. Oh, yeah. Thanks, Susan's mom. <laughs> anyway, you can find us on all the social media. Facebook, uh, Instagram. I think we're still doing that one and (laughs) barely, but yeah, we've we've got a couple of YouTube videos and maybe someday there will be more. We hope. And of course, highgluttony.com where Gretchen will expertly digest all of our thoughts and the recipes into one cohesive little page for you. So check us out there and we'll be back in another 10 days or so for the latest episode, episode journey, whatever we're doing next. Like, and subscribe. Tell tell a friend and your mom. (laughs) Tell three friends and your mom. There you go. Okay. All right. Off we go. Off we go. It muted yours. Yeah. We'll figure this out one day. (laughs) This is our year to figure it out. 2022, the year of figuring out how to make galloping sounds in the recording. (laughs) We got this. Huzzah!